Welcome to the latest episode of the Shaken and Stirred podcast. I'm Simon Hildry and with me is Phil Milburn. Hello, Phil. Hi, Simon. So we're in the middle of the summer. We've um, had a raft of economic data recently, slightly mixed, but suggesting um, a bit of a global slowdown. What, what's your take on that? Yeah, thank you, Simon. There's been undoubtedly a slowdown in growth over the last couple of quarters. And this has been entirely led by the industrial production side of the equation. Um, the reasons behind this are very clear for everybody to see the tariffs stroke trade wars and the impact that has on business confidence. Um, there's also a slight timing issue of if you announce tariffs are going to go up, then people will obviously shift their imports stroke exports to occur before the tariffs go up. It's a natural reaction function. And the key for us on the global fixed income team at Lion Trust is the current bifurcation, the dichotomy between the production side of the equation and services stroke the consumer. Services continue to be very strong. They have come up the, off the top, but all of both the current data and the survey data point to continued strength. So, for example, the global PMI surveys where anything over 50 is growth, services global PMI is still at 52, whereas manufacturing is about 50. Even better or worse, depending on how you look at it for manufacturing, the current conditions are at about a stagnation. The expectations are pretty disastrous um, as sentiment has been hit hard by well, basically by Trump's tweets and ongoing flipping between positive and negative on a China deal and threatening Europe. But it is our central thesis, and we continue to state um, that provided that Trump doesn't ratchet up things even further, then eventually with retail sales growing globally at 4%, um, their destocking will occur and manufacturing will have to pick up again so that services and manufacturing do converge, but at a level of still relatively decent growth. And to put all of this in context, global growth has slowed from about two years ago, being of the order of 3.5%, now to being currently about 2.7%. Core inflation globally is about 1.9%, so it certainly is alive and kicking and headline inflation is 2.2%. Um, add together that headline inflation and current growth, and you get to 4.9% nominal growth. That is still not a bad environment. Yet despite this, the whole world remains pretty worried about growth. And when it comes to central banks, um, obviously there's talk about the, the US Fed um, reducing rates, ECB looking at QE again. Where do you stand on that? Do you think there should not be a cut? Do you think there will be cuts? Um, it is a, a very good question that in between the, the should and the will, there will inevitably be a cut at the 31st of July meeting from the Fed and the ECB have been signalling that they are likely to cut rates in September. Um, I still think this is a a very odd reaction function to use monetary policy to deal with what is a political issue. And the limits of monetary policy still can be debated of 
what is the marginal efficiency of throwing more money at this. Certainly the fiscal side, there's plenty of room there. And two key um, pieces of data I'd like to point out. Germany is running with a fiscal budget surplus of about 2% of GDP, whereas the US is looking to run a deficit of about 4% of GDP. But the good news on the US, and this is very good news, is um, this is all but signed off through Congress now. The debt ceiling will be suspended for the next couple of years until July 2021 in the US, which massively decreases a September and October this year risk. Um, if the debt ceiling had been triggered, it had the potential to knock 0.7% of US GDP um, over the coming couple of quarters. So that risk hasn't had a lot of attention, but is now really gone, um, at least for the next couple of years, and in, most crucially through the next presidential election cycle. Yet despite this, the central banks around the world are talking a very dovish game. Um, comparing the current scenario um, to the last time that the Fed did, inverted commas, insurance cuts, and last time that happened was twofold in the 90s, both times they cut by a cumulative 75 basis points. Um, you actually find at the moment um, growth is still better now than it was then, but the yield curve now is flatter. So what we're really saying is the market has discounted it much quicker in this cycle than it has than it had in the 90s. Um, but is this needed? As I mentioned previously, uh, inflation is still 1.9%. US employment is still growing at a faster rate um, than the natural population formation of working people. Um, wage inflation is still alive and well and in the 3% area, roughly 3.1 in the States. And importantly, it's in the services sector where wage inflation is picking up more. So will they cut? Yes. Should they cut? Absolutely, utterly not. Similar thing in the Eurozone. There's talk of restarting QE and even the corporate bond buying program from the ECB. Um, the very nicely named um, CSPP is the acronym. Um, and ultimately, that has just led to a continued rally in fixed income assets to take them from expensive to very expensive. Uh, so the answer is they shouldn't be cutting, but they will. And because of that, I still believe you need to build in more and more inflation protection into portfolios. I was going to say, so the result of that is likely to be higher inflation then? Entirely correct, yes. Um, and to be clear on this, we're not talking about inflation going out of control, but all the talk from central banks about inflation being dead, the maths just simply doesn't add up. The Fed has conveniently shifted from CPI running at about 2%, to core PCE, running at about 1.6%, 1.7%. European inflation is still um, low at the aggregate level, but reasonably high in Northern Europe. And the introduction of the new um, president of the ECB, uh, the, it will be Lagarde replacing Draghi. Um, she is generally regarded to be relatively dovish and continues supportive of the cheap money for as long as possible. So is it inflationary at the margin? Yes. But we're talking about adding half to 1% to overall inflation around the world over the next few years. Um, but that's against a market that seems to forecast 
that inflation will never be an issue again. Of course it will if you continue to pump prime the economy non-stop. So would you expect a Fed U-turn over the following months? Uh, I think it would take more quarters rather than months um, for the Fed to backtrack again. And certainly if one wants us to look around the world, the um, president of the Turkish Central Bank has recently been replaced and then cut rates. And obviously, Trump keeps threatening to replace Powell, not necessarily sacking him, but just demoting him from the chair job of the Fed. Um, this political interference in the monetary policy setting process is a huge negative. The whole point of central banks being independent from the uh, political side of things is to gain them credibility on the inflation side. But all around the world, um, central banks are emphasising at the moment the need for symmetrical inflation targets and their desire to run inflation maybe a little hot for a while to make up for previous undershoots on the inflationary side. And what impact do all these views have on, on the funds that you're managing? Any changes you made? No enormous changes. Um, if we were to take the strategic bond funds as an example, we continue to run with pretty light interest rate risk with a duration of about two and a half years. Continue to prefer the US to Europe, where at least you get a small positive real yield, but it is very small now. Um, as I mentioned about inflation protection, we continue to build in some inflation protection by preferring Treasury inflation protected securities to conventional bonds in the States. Um, one marginal change has been we do think that credit carry, the extra yield you get on the credit side, can last for a while longer. But given how compressed valuations are, we do not want to in any way add significant beta risk to the funds. So we are looking and considering very closely adding more floating rate notes to our strategic bond funds, which are very low beta and still give you a significant higher yield than base rates and a much, much higher yield than short dated credit, um, given the relative shapes between the LIBOR curve and the cash bond curve. So it's at the margin, run with less risk. Don't be afraid of taking a bit of a very low beta carry, but certainly continue to massively emphasize alpha over what is undoubtedly a very expensive fixed income beta. So there are opportunities, but selectively. Yes, very much so. And if you're to look through the funds, um, which generally fit on one side of A4, you'd find that um, we're far more excited about relative value positions in the strategic bond funds, such as short Canadian duration versus long US duration, um, some clever short the long end um, of Germany versus long the long end of France with a little bit of box trade on the side. That gets a bit geeky even by our standards. Um, building in a bit of tail protection, continue to do stock selection, but waiting for a significant setback in valuations, either rates or credit, before we add any risk to the funds. Okay. Thank you very much, Phil. And thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you next time.